Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning in and joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Nothing gives more internal emotional turmoil than the topic of money. Certainly, every entrepreneur loses plenty of sleep trying desperately to connect those dots to implement the strategy needed to make more of it. It's certainly a powerful barometer of our success. Perhaps you subscribe to the idea of a money mindset which basically states that your conscious and subconscious thoughts around money dictate whether you attract it or detract it. Another accurate school of thought is that money is energy and that when your own frequency and vibration matches the energy of money, more of it will easily flow your way. I'm happy to welcome our guest to the show who talks about different aspects of finances with business owners. Meet Rocky Lalvani. Simply put, Rocky helps small business owners with their financial decisions. As a certified profit-first advisor, Rocky focuses on profit first using a system created by Mike Michalowicz that has helped thousands of companies realize their maximum profit potential. Here we are. Help me welcome Rocky Lalvani. What's doing, Rocky? Thank you so much uh, for having me today, Josh. I'm excited to be here. I, um, I'm also excited because, as I mentioned, I subscribe to that theory of all of that, that a money mindset is a thing and you must spend a portion of your life um, dedicated to that, to seeing the result. Help frame first the conversation. When we talk about money mindset, what exactly are we talking about? You know, when I interview people, I ask them one question always at the beginning of the interview, which is, tell me about how you learned about money growing up and how much did your family and school teach you about it? And if you ask people that and they think about it, there are certain things that are going to pop in their head. They could have grown up with the popular saying, money doesn't grow on trees. Maybe they heard, we can't afford that. Maybe they heard rich people are evil. Maybe they heard opposite things. Like, hey, if you'd like to go buy that, well, let me show you some ways that you can earn some money to be able to afford that. So we all have a certain view of money 
everyone's got their own, right? And it's been formed. Most of it has been formed when between the ages of five and 13. The question you really need to ask yourself is, is that seven-year-old mindset of money serving you today? Hmm. And how do we begin or how do you begin the process of what is the process? First, identifying it with your clients, right? And then what do you do with that information? Well, so, I mean, I'll ask you the question. Money is? Are we talking my current feeling in and around it? What You can even make up an answer if you'd like. <laughs> I say money is a beautiful thing that provides all the necessary freedom of life. And there you go. So you have a wonderful money mindset that's going to attract money to you. And I bet that that's not the mindset you had growing up. No, I, I might not even have been aware of, I mean, I knew the circumstances that I had as a young child. Money wasn't uh, abundant or around or available, but then I'd have to dig deeper and figure out um, how, I, how I felt about it, how it really affected me. Did I know any differently? Did I mind? Was it just par for course? And those are some of the conversations that you have to go through with yourself. And I will tell you, I've, I've interviewed lots of people who are multimillionaires. And you would say, oh, they all had a silver spoon. And actually, most of them did not. Most of them grew up um, lower middle class or middle class. Um, They had within themselves something that caused them to want to hustle and work. So it's actually growing up without that put in them the spark to do the hard work to earn money. And yeah, they had to reprogram themselves over the years and and make changes just like you and I have done. Um, And you keep making those changes and little by little things change and you have an abundant mindset and then you can have success. Hmm. What I appreciate about you is you are in part a, a virtual CFO, which does all of that stuff that a CFO would do in and around a business. But I love that you go deeper than that, right? You're not just looking at the numbers. First of all, you're also focusing with this profit first mindset and principle that you subscribe to. We're going to talk all about Mike Michalowicz and the profit first principle. Big fan, uh, devoured the book, got to interview Mike for one of my old shows a few years ago. So I'm right there with it. But I like how you take the approach that All these other aspects have to work in harmony, like health and wealth and time and relationships and spirituality. I don't often see that with a CFO type person. Why do you find that so important that all of these affect the money income? So they're all tied together in life, right? We all know horrible rich people, don't we? (laughs) I mean, how can you have all this money and be so miserable, right? It's because they have imbalances in their life. One part of that part of their life is messed up. So if you think about it, a man who has his health, right, has a million dreams. A man who doesn't have his health has just one. So he will give up all his money to get his health back. So health is clearly an important part of life. What good is it when you're a multimillionaire and you have no friends, that everyone who surrounds you is nothing but a greedy person who's, who's looking for a buck from you? Is that the kind of life you want to live? And 
what good is it if you're spending all your time making money, right? And your spouse and kids get tired of you and she leaves and takes all the money and you don't even know your kids, right? You, you, you go out and you bust your butt to make all this money to take care of your kids and they don't even know who you are. Sam Walton on his dying deathbed. I mean, that was his conversation. I may have made a mistake because he didn't know his grandkids. He didn't, he didn't spend time with them. He was always in his business. And at the end of the day, we're connected to this universe. So how is that connection? I don't tell people what to believe, but somehow you are connected to this universe. Whatever it is you believe, you believe. Are you living in congruence with that? And I use the word harmony because I used to use the word balance. And the problem with balance is everyone thinks that everything needs to be equal. Well, you can't be equal in all these parts of life. And now we're spending all our time fighting to be equal and nothing's getting done. So harmony is more, it's kind of like music. If you hear a song, different parts come up in different times. So, you know, sometimes it's the vocals, sometimes it's the drummers, sometimes it's the guitar. Well, our life is the same way, right? All these things that we're talking about are running around in the background. Sometimes work takes precedence. Sometimes our kids take precedence. Sometimes our wife takes precedence. Sometimes we take precedence, right? You need that time to get out of your business and have peace. You can work on your business instead of in your business. So you've got to find that harmony. You go on sprints, but overall, you've got to make sure you've got your dials tuned in right. Because if if you've got a Ferrari with a flat tire, you're going nowhere. I love that. How does, how do you, first of all, again, I so appreciate the role that you take from a financial advisor point of view, because you get into these mindset aspects that I don't often see. What does working with you really look like? If I'm a new client, I have my business, I say, let's go. What do you need? You need my books? You need my heart? Like, like, what do you need? How do we work together? So I need three things. I need your books, right? I need your business plan. And I need your life plan. Oh, life. Go ahead. Yes, I love it. All right? Yeah. And if don't have those, then let's create them. So I have a written life plan. My eulogy is already written out. So I know what I want them to say when I'm dead. Now I can work backwards to live the life that I want to be. Wow. So Rocky, once that's I, such a great exercise. I've heard that exercise before. I'm so glad you brought that up. Go ahead. It is. It's, yep. um, it, to write your eulogy in advance and then work backwards from there. Very powerful. Best resource I have for that is a book called Living Forward. It's Michael Hyatt's book, and it's a proven plan to stop drifting and get the life you want. He takes you, it's a very easy read, just like Profit First is an easy read. He takes you through the whole process of creating your life plan. And you sit down, and for all the areas that we just talked about, plus more, you sit down and say, what do I want that area of my life to look like? Where is it today? And what little step can I take today to move to from where I am to where I want to be? So you need our books, our business plan, and our life plan. Carry on. Now you have that. Then we, then we work together 
And I always like to get a strong financial base because once you have the strong financial base, you have the time and the space to work on the rest of life. If you don't have the financial base, then you're essentially like a person drowning, right? If you're drowning, you don't care what I have to offer other than a life preserver and a hand out of the water. So let's get you out of the water and now you can breathe and now we can address all the other situations in life. Do you find that things like self-worth and self-confidence come into play? It is. I mean, absolutely. Because if you don't have confidence in the reflection in the mirror, that's where the biggest... So the number one problem everyone has, everyone, and I don't care how much money you have, is this one simple thing. I am enough. Until you can say, I am enough, you are, you are going to be fighting yourself your entire life. What does that really mean? Break that down. What does it mean to be enough or to resist feeling enough? I am enough is basically, I am enough. Wherever you are in this moment, wherever you are on the scale, you are enough. You, you're where you belong. You're where you are put. You're, you're there to learn something and do something. And so if you can say, I am enough, and start saying, people do love me, getting rid of the toxicity in your life, and, and this isn't going to be overnight, right? Mm. There's actually a great video. It's on YouTube. It's from Marissa Peer, and it's called I Am Enough. Google it and watch it. It's about 40 minutes long. She is... Um, She's a hypnotist, actually. She's she's from England. She used to do those um, biggest loser shows, you know, where people lose all the weight and all of that. And she, what she found out is if you can just tell people and write it down, like she would have them write it on their bathroom mirror, put it in their phone so it would beep at them. Just saying, I am enough, would change their entire lives and wipe out 20 years of psychotherapy that gets you nowhere. So if you can just, that's just an internal mindset. And it's that mindset that, as I said at the top of the show, it's that that allows the money to energetically flow into your life. It will over time. You got to do the work. That's right. Right. This isn't a <laughs> magic mean, pill. Nobody's work. Right. Nobody's disillusioned that you don't have to have um, a sound mind and a sound right. business plan and offer the value. We're not negating all of that. But without this piece, right, you could still push money away. Well, so she even deals with people who are billionaires. And if you go watch the video, she's telling the story of this guy. I think he's in Hollywood. He's on his fifth wife. He's bitching about everything. He's got a BAFTA and he's talking about how horrible the BAFTA is. And she's like, how do you have everything in these fancy cars in this beautiful house? And you have this problem. And she said to him, I know your problem. And he's like, what's that? You're not enough. Well, he started breaking down crying. Like, until we internally believe we have value, then we're stuck. You made a great comment once where you said that you couldn't understand how in a country, in, in a country like America, full of all of this abundance, there are not more millionaires. A very eye-opening uh, um, a piece of information there. What have you found to be the reason 
we should all be, you know, like the monopoly guy, right? Throwing right. up the the piles of money. Why isn't that the case? So I'll tell. Well, I, there's a big reason behind it. Before I do that, I just want to explain one thing to people. If you're listening to this right now, there's a good chance that you're in the top one percent of the world for income, because. To be in the top 1% of the world for income, you only need to make about $33,000 a year. So my question to you is, are you living a 1% lifestyle? Because you are the 1% of this world. Now, as to your problem, we are the most marketed people in the world right now. The United States, every like we all grew up with TVs in our home, right? Everyone huddled around the TV. What was the message of the TV? You're not enough. And if you buy this from me, then you will be enough. But we would buy it and we still weren't enough, were we? You, you get so many messages today with the driving factor of you're not enough. And that's our problem. So if, we, if we're constantly, you have a choice. You can build wealth or you can look wealthy, right? People aren't building wealth. If you just automate your savings, Right? I will tell you exactly what to do right now that is guaranteed to build you wealth over time. It's the old-fashioned way to do it, and it is guaranteed to work. Start saving 1% of your income. And I will tell you this. If, if you have $1,000 and you can't save 10 bucks, we got bigger problems. So out of every dollar that comes into your life from income, put 1% aside. That's it. Three months from now, I want you to add another percent. Three months from them, add another percent. And keep doing that. If you get a raise or you get a big bump in business, add a couple more percent. Over time, over five years or 10 years, you can easily get to a 20 to 40% savings rate. And if you're at a 20 to 40% savings rate, you're building wealth. And it takes time. Warren Buffett didn't have his first billion until he was 54 years old. It took time, right? Your first thousand is the hardest. Your first hundred thousand is the hardest. Your first million is the hardest. The second million, like that. You get a you you get ten thousand bucks. The second ten thousand comes like that. Once you hit the compound curve, it's unbelievable what happens. But you can't hit the curve until you take the first step. Go put the first one percent aside. Automate it. Make sure it happens without you thinking, whether it's a 401k or or some account that sweeps automatically out of your business account. I don't care how you do it. Put a machine to work behind the scenes that you don't have to think about that pulls that dollar out constantly. And believe me, over time, you will build wealth. I didn't build wealth doing what I do now, Josh. I built wealth doing what I just told you. I started doing that with my first job and I kept cranking up those levers. And that's how I became a multimillionaire. Chilling. Let's connect these dots to the profit first principle, the profit first book, and the Mike Michalowicz. We know he's the author of the incredibly successful book and subsequent system, which is known as Profit First, which generally speaking says all income that comes into your business, you do not pay the expenses or anything else first. You, in fact, take and pay the what? The profit first. And 
He was the one to really bring this to to the masses, which it seems so logical. But I know that there's also people that resist it and say, no, that can't possibly work. But it does and it can help us understand what I'm talking about here and your connection and relationship to it. So I, I am certified by Mike to teach the system. And the reason that I connected with Mike in the system is because it's the system that I essentially use to build wealth. Mike didn't invent this. He just he he just figured out a way to make it work for the business owner. So if you know Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey does the same thing with the envelope system. If you've read Richest Man in Babylon, they tell you to take 10% of your business and set it. These are not new concepts. The problem is no one does it, right? We know how to lose weight. It's called diet and exercise, but nobody does it right? So you've got to automate the system. What Mike has done is created an automated way for you within your business to essentially give every dollar a job and to send it out. So when the money comes in, you immediately set aside your profit immediately. So now you're profitable. You set aside your pay because business owners don't pay themselves first. They pay themselves less. They get the scraps. Why are you in a business working day and night to take scraps. Why aren't you putting yourself first? Because once you have your stuff, then you can afford to take care of everyone else. So we take out for that. And of course, the government wants a share. We always forget about that. April 15th comes, we all freak out. So let's put our taxes aside. I can tell you stories. I'll tell you a story of a guy who uses profit first, had a banner year. So his business was booming. And When your business does that, your accountant doesn't always adjust your quarterlies because they don't know your business is booming. You're not having conversations with them, which is a mistake. So tax time came. I'm going to tell you something about accountants because I'm an EA, so I'm an enrolled agent. My wife's a CPA. They want you to get a refund at tax time because if they call you and tell you that you owe money, you're mad at them. You're not mad at the government. So they always want you to put extra in for so they look good, right? It's a joke. You gave me change. You know, I gave you a 20, you give me change and I'm jumping for joy. So tax time comes, <laughs> fantastic. Right? Yeah. Tax time comes and his accountant doesn't call him for three weeks. She finally gets on the phone with him and says, I've been dreading this call. He's like, what's up? What's wrong? She goes, you owe a bunch in taxes. He's like, well, how much? And she gave him the number and it was almost six figures. And he goes, okay, I'll drop off checks tomorrow. And the woman looked at him and said, what do you mean? I've been doing this for over 20 years. No one has ever said that to me. And so he said to me, he goes, yeah, not only did I have all of that, I had extra and it's been sitting in my account for months because he set it aside a little bit at a time. He hid it from himself. And when tax time came, he was ready to roll. Most of the people that I'm talking to who use profit first, when COVID hit, They finally went, oh, this is what you meant by an emergency, and then I needed to have a vault of cash to handle a storm? So most of the people who are using Profit First, who's implemented it and done it for a while and removed money from their business, they've got months, if not years, of cash flow reserves to take them through storms, which means when this is over, and it will be over, this too shall pass, they are in the position to gobble up all their competition. Because they have financial strength. And so that that's basically, now, a couple things with businesses. All businesses are like people, right? We all have financial lifestyle creep. A business will use all the resources you give it. And so that comes from Parkinson's law. If I tell you you've got 
you know, four weeks to do a project, it'll take you four weeks. If I tell you you've got four hours, you'll get it done in four hours, right? It's because we waste three of the four weeks. Well, we'll get it eventually. It's not due for a while. It's the same thing with money. I give you $100,000 to build your home studio. You'll spend hundred grand. I give you $500,000. you will figure out how to do it for $500,000. Business owners are resourceful. They don't need more resources. They just need to be more resourceful. I know that most business owners are really smart. They know how to figure things out. And when you put the screws to them, they will. And so you've got to put the money screws to yourself as well. You've got to say, I can't just, most people say, oh, it's a tax write-off. Oh, wow. So you're going to spend a dollar to get 30 cents back? That's absurd. You've got to focus on the bottom line. You've got to cut your expenses. It, that's just what has to happen. We, we spend too much. It, it's a spending problem. Let's turn the table, as you asked me uh, earlier on, about my thoughts and concepts of money. How did you grow up? How, were you always on this path? Did you have a very positive money education as a child? Was it the opposite and you, you had to go down this road? Paint that picture for us. So I'm an immigrant to the United States. My parents um, were refugees in India. So what happened is, is at the end of World War II, they got displaced from where they were. They had to move. So they moved to another part of India and essentially started over in life. And then about 20 years later, they wanted to go live the American dream. So they left India. They came to, to the U.S. I was two. Um, they were only allowed to take $25 because they, they had exchange currency rate um, restrictions. They had some family here. So we started off on the wrong side of the tracks. And most of the people that they had a lot of friends who would also come over at the same time. We were all on the wrong side of the tracks, living in a one-bedroom apartment. You know, I'm sleeping in the, the hallway. But very quickly, they moved up the economic ladder. And one of the things that I noticed that they did as a group is when they got together with their friends, they would talk about money. And they would talk about how they were doing things. The other thing that's a trait that, that for whatever reason, is not a U.S. thing, we negotiate. The rest of the world negotiates for everything. You go to Mexico, you haggle. You, you go to India, you haggle. You go to most places in the world, haggling is much more normal. And so they would talk about how they, they were cutting deals, how they were saving money, how they were... They always wanted to live a nice lifestyle on a frugal budget. So how do you do that? And those were the types of things I learned growing up was how to save, how to get what you wanted without spending a ton. And then I don't know where it came from, but as a little kid, I wanted to be a millionaire. That was just my goal, right? And when I was in high school, I got jobs. I started working. I started selling stuff on the side and doing all of these things and just making money. And so. But I chased the American dream. I got all the stuff. I had everything. And I woke up, I'm like, I have all the money, and yet I'm not happy. Like, the money didn't do it. The stuff didn't do it. And then we started a process of decluttering our life. And I, we paid people to come take crap out of our house. And everything you buy comes with an obligation. Right, you buy a fancy car. Now you have an obligation for fancy service. Now you can't park the car maybe too close because somebody might like it creates all these obligations on you. And then two years later, well, now you no longer have the fanciest car, but you got the fancy car payment and a car that no longer brings you joy that you've got to service and pay a fortune to take care of. And all of that goes to I am enough. 
do I need a car to make me look good? No, I don't. Why am I impressing somebody who I don't even like? Why don't I impress myself? It, it comes back to that simple principle. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. You made an interesting comment talking about your parents, how they would hang out with their friends and talk about money. When I heard that, I thought, well, that's typically in our society frowned upon. That's the thing you don't talk about. What happened? That it was natural to our culture. Um, I think it's unique to just our heritage. I, I don't know where it came from, but we were always known as the people who were good with money and could figure a way out. So they left one part of India. I have relatives all over the world. And wherever they've gone, most of them are relatively successful, highly successful. Maybe it was the right mindsets. I don't know. We never had a victim mentality. So it was never, you're an immigrant, you can't do this. We always grew up with, the world is your oyster. You know, go shuck it, go do the work. You'd finish college, and the first question wasn't congratulations. It was like, so what are you doing your master's in? Like, it was just an expectation that you would constantly go. Now, I still had a lot of messed up mindsets. You know, we all do, and you have to work through those um, and figure them out. But you just got to show up and do the work. What were some of your messed up mindsets? I, one of the biggest ones, so a couple things. From the business side, I couldn't understand scaling. From the money side, I couldn't understand why, why other people struggled so much with money. I, had, I, I didn't even know about money mindsets. So that was something I learned much, much later. Um, I'm a numbers kind of guy, right? So I'm an introvert. Building relationships is not my strong suit. Right. I'm a, I, I grew up in the area of do it all yourself, be a man. Right. So I had to learn to, to learn to build relationships and do that type of stuff. Um, I, I did what most people do. I, I got fat and unhealthy. So I had to fix that. I had to change the way I eat. I had to go to the other side of the gym where the free weights are. And that's scary. Right. I'm, it just wasn't what my natural comfort zone was. Um, and you just, you make all these changes and you do them a little bit at a time. And over time, things add up. Everything compounds. They compound up, they compound down. You start taking out debt, debt compounds down and, and crushes you. Hmm. One donut a day, you know, compounds your weight upward. And right. People don't, I don't know if you've ever met anyone who's gained a hundred pounds in a year. I haven't, you know, 
you gain two, three pounds this year and two, three pounds the next year. And before you know it, you're 40 pounds overweight. Well, these things, these universal laws apply to everything. Rocky, you're, you're, you're speaking oddly here. It sounds like what you said was you took responsibility and you, you got things done because you owned the issues. You didn't blame you didn't take that victim mentality and you took responsibility, good old fashioned responsibility. Good old fashioned savings, good old fashioned responsibility. Yeah, you can't. It's up to you. Your biggest enemy in the world is the reflection in the mirror. And once you can look at that reflection and overcome yourself and say, I am enough and believe it. And that doesn't happen overnight. Once you can do that, Life is yours. And it's a journey. You're, it's a never-ending journey. You're constantly, every time you think you hit the next level, you, uh, another door opens up and you're like, oh, there's another level up there. I didn't even know that existed. And the higher you go, the easier the levels become to move up. You've mentioned the word compound a few times in a few uh, really cool contexts. I... I always acknowledge it for myself a few years ago when I was at my worst, at my lowest, and finally made the choice, made the decision to put in whatever necessary changes were needed, took that responsibility and that ownership one small step at a time. To this day, I'm still doing um, you know, a dozen or two specific things from the minute I wake up, including how I wake up to the minute I go to sleep and how I go to sleep, everything in between. And I've noticed over these years, been very aware, it's compounding on, on itself. You do one thing, you might not see a big change, but when you're doing several or 12 or 15 small things, you have something to be proud of that you can look in that mirror and say, look at this inside and out, which is what I tell my children seven, almost seven-year-old daughter, five-year-old son. I tell them as often as possible, you are beautiful on the inside and the outside. And that's very true. And, you know, one of the things I've found in sports, right, what do we do every year? Before the team goes back to play, they go back to basic training. And and I think we need to do that too, is we come up this this ladder and we get up to this high level and then we forget things. And so sometimes we have to go back and, and remember those basic things that you talk about, how you wake up, how you go to bed, those little habits that sometimes we forget about over time. So we got to go back and reset every so often. And that means shutting everything off, turning off the noise maybe for a couple of days or a week and resetting yourself. We have to do that. It's just part of life and too often we forget speaking of we have to do that thinking about the person the business owner the entrepreneur tuning in right now what is the very next thing that they can do right now in their in their books in their life in their business whatever what's those first few things that they can do to take the responsibility to make a difference to take action going forward and make a difference i think the first thing you need to decide is where are you going, right? Because if you don't know where you're going, I don't care how fast you're moving, you're never gonna hit the target. So the first step is where are you going and what do you want 
and why do you want it and how does that fit in with your life? So you can say to yourself, I want a I want $100 million business. Okay, what does it take to build a $100 million business? Well, I'm going to have to work 80 hours a week for the next three years. Okay, what about your three-year-old at home and your wife? How does that fit into that plan? What is it? You've got to sit down and figure out how all these pieces interlock. Too often, we, we live in silos, and companies especially are run in silos. Nobody is talking to anyone about the effects of what one decision over here has on another decision over there. So first and foremost, know what you want and where you're going and make sure you have the conversation with the spouse and make sure that what you're actually aiming for is what you really want. So what is it going to cost to build a $100 million business? There's a cost to that. Are you willing to pay the price? You know, Elon Musk pays a price. I don't want to pay Elon Musk's price. I don't care to have his success because I don't care to give up what he's giving for it. I just, that's just not me. Maybe that's you. That's great. That's perfectly fine. But define what you want for yourself, not what someone else told you you should be. Yeah. Um, as Napoleon Hill puts it, you, you have to define what you want. And then he points out, conversely, also write down and map out, like you just said, Rocky, what are you willing to give in return for that want? You got to pay a price. And you just have to ask yourself if you're willing to pay the price that it's going to take to achieve those results. So you help business owners not only define what they want, but then identify the path to get there? We'll work through paths. So I'm not an expert in anything, right, other than the numbers. But what I'm really good at is sitting down and saying, okay, you want this. What are the costs involved? What do we need to do? And then what steps do you need to take? And then what experts do you need to bring in? when it comes time. And then what happens more often than not, if you go to a surgeon for a problem, he's going to tell you surgery is the answer, right? Everyone's walking around with their hammer. What I do a lot of times is I go, you know, you could do that, but here are the, here are the things you're going to have problems with, with that decision. Are you willing to make that decision? I don't make decisions for people. I just show them the outcomes and the risks of the choices that they're making so that they can make an informed decision. Wow. So you got certified in the Profit First model, which helps the business owner put that into effect along with all these other mindset things. What is, what is your overriding mantra today? For me, for me, it's about time freedom. So this is a lifestyle business for me. If you're not willing to run and, and, and go, like, and you don't show up, I don't want you as a client. Um, I don't want to deal with it. For me, it's about time freedom to be able to work on myself, to have the time to do the things I want to do. I love to read, as you can see. I, I want to do all these things and learn. So for me, it's about creating my ultimate life. And my kids are just about out of the house, my, my youngest. I've spent the last you know, 20 years at soccer games and robotics and coaching and, and all these types of things. So now it's my turn at life. Does money buy happiness? No, but it sure can get rid of a little bit of misery. 
There's truth right? to that, right? There's truth to that. It, it will get rid of some misery. And there's so like, if you don't feel like cleaning the toilet, right? And that's something that's not good, then pay somebody to go do that. That's where money helps. It takes away the things that are miserable. But a clean toilet isn't going to make me happy. Hmm. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? It is. We're all, everything that you've been given, including your challenges and your struggles, happen for a reason. So my mom passed away when I was seven, mm. right? I don't look at that as, it happened for a reason, right? It caused me to become the person I am today. It wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't the path I took, but it gave me skills and resilience and the ability to keep standing back up to be able to go do something, not to, to, to be able to learn and, and take care of things. What are some of your personal habits and routines that keep you on track? So I used to go to the gym three times a week. The free weight <laughs> section. Free weight section and, and work out two days at, at home doing stretching. Um, now I do it five days at home, five to six days. So number one, I get up. And after I get up, um, I will usually start with um, a little religious stuff in the morning. Uh, I used to read it, but now with my eyes and in my age, it's easier to listen to it first thing in the morning while I'm in bed. Then I go work out. I do intermittent fasting, so I don't even eat till noon. The first meal I'll ever have is at noon. My diet is highly regimented, so I keep that on track so that I can maintain my weight. Uh, I usually, I have a pretty long startup routine, so I do like to meditate. Um, I usually start my day with some additional readings after I work out. Um, occasionally I'll try the cold shower. I hate it, but you know, you get used to it over time. It's just mixing things up. So I do a lot of that. I, I love to read. So I will read anywhere. I'm back off COVID kind of knocked me for a loop on that one. Right before COVID, I was up to about seven books a month. So that was pretty cool. I was just constantly learning. Almost two uh, a week. I can do math. Two. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it was crazy for a while there. I'm back down to maybe three a month right now. I want to get it back up again. So it's just business. It was. I think that was all because of the pivot in business. Mm. Um, it's always finding the way through the, the situation. It's, you just stand back up. We're going to get knocked down, right? It's constant. Life is not going to be perfect. So it's that ability to say, I need to get back up. And then creating, like, I'm very big into my calendar. Like I tell my family, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. So when you look at my calendar, like everything is blocked out for what I need to do, where I need to go. If I have something that I need to take care of, I put it on my calendar and it gets done. So I like I have a couple phone calls to make today. Well, they're on my calendar. Okay. Now I don't have to think, well, who was I supposed to call? It's on my calendar. I have to do this right now and I go do it. So, so much of what you just yeah. said are signs and traits of leaders of the successful. Um uh, years of history shows that and proves that. And I'm I'm all for that. I mean, if you just dissect the past two minutes of what you said, you can you can pluck out all the things that every great leader and successful person uh, implements at some point in their life. What comes to mind about the calendar, I certainly subscribe to that. I follow Brendan Burchard, who mm -hmm. says, um, you know, he, he also has something big about that. If he can look at your calendar and quickly, instantly determine how much of a success you are and will become. 
he could, you know, by, by just looking at all of that, it makes it, it it's gotta be on your calendar. So if I look at your calendar and your bank account, I can tell you who you are. It's where you put your time and money. It's clear as day. And if you look at those two things, they will, they will paint the exact picture of who you are. Not what you say, because I don't care what you say. Ooh. You have kids, right? They don't care what you say. They care what you do. It's true. What, where is your money flowing and where is your time going? You look at those two things, you can tell what a person is and who they are. Well, our, um, looking in the comments section, thank you, Hone, a friend, a fan. Uh, we've interviewed him in person back in those olden days when we could actually be face-to-face in person. We had him in studio for the On Air Brands Live show. Uh, he says, this is such an incredible conversation. Thank you both for having it. Um, and I would also venture to say, well, thank you, Hone, for chiming in. Uh, Rocky, I would venture to say not only incredible, but important, important conversation to have. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, if you don't define what you want, if you don't talk it out and walk through it, then you, you have to. Uh, success is really not that difficult. Where are you going? What direction? I, I always tell people going from zero to one is a lot harder than going from one to 100. It's getting started. The moment you get started and you start moving in a direction and you tell the world, this is where I'm going and this is what I'm doing, things start happening. Is it going to be perfect? No. Are you going to fail? Absolutely. Are you going to mess up? Sure. Might you be going in the wrong direction? Absolutely. But once you start going, Things fall into place. Things start to happen. And as long as you keep showing up. So that's the thing. You know, I look at the compound curve like an airplane taking off. Right? Oh, I miss riding on an airplane. Go ahead. <laughs> Just say you it. You can still get on it. So yeah. what happens? The, 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 they get clearance for takeoff. The, the plane turns on to the runway. Right? Captain says, we're, we're, here we go. He pushes the engines full force ahead. You're not even moving at this point. The engines are blasting. You're going nowhere. (laughs) He lets go of the brakes, and slowly you're moving. And at some point, you're doing 100 miles an hour. You're looking out the window going, I'm going 100 miles an hour, and I'm still on the ground. Right? And then at some point, the nose starts to come up, just barely. And then all of a sudden, boom, and you're off into the air. The problem is if you don't do that zero to 160 where you're on the ground speeding forward and it looks like nothing's happening, you're never going to take off. So go do the work. And the problem most people have, they get up to 120 miles an hour and they go, oh, well, this isn't working. Let me stop. And they abort the whole takeoff. And then they go back and they start over. They go a whole different direction. And then they get to 120 miles an hour and they go, this isn't working. And they stop. And they go start back. Like, that's where I think most people struggle is that they don't keep going. They don't keep showing up when it's difficult. And it's going to be difficult. It's just life. I mean, I think Bill Gates spent 10 years from 20 to 30 without a single vacation day sleeping in his office, right? It takes time and effort. And most people aren't willing to do that. I think still in the comments section, our friend and fan, Robert Gregor said, trusting oneself is the hardest thing for so many entrepreneurs. And that's what you just pointed out. Trusting yourself. But I think the most important thing for an entrepreneur, before you begin, run the numbers. Is this going to be a profitable business? You can tell that before you begin. 
by running the numbers and sitting down and saying, if I sell this item for $100, how much is it going to cost me to make it? Is it scalable? Does it work? Because if you sit down and you figure out that your time, your effort, the raw materials, the overhead, if it's going to cost you $101 to make something that you're selling for $100, you're on a doomed voyage. So do the numbers first and make sure it's viable. Can we talk about for a moment your point of view on ego? Because you speak with business owners at all levels of the game who have acquired tremendous wealth, who are just getting started. How do you find that big conversation of ego has to come into the hall? Is that Brian Holiday's book, Ego is the Enemy? Yeah, I love it. I mean, that's basically it. The smartest people in the world behave like they're the dumbest person in the room. They're always asking, what is it you can teach me? What is it that I don't know? I struggle with that one too. Like I got to, sometimes I talk too much. Sometimes I need to shut up and listen, (laughs) right? I'm working on it. We're getting there. And there is a bit of ego. Um, You have to overcome the ego. You really do. Because... Yeah, it's going to be a problem. It's the enemy. Like he said, it really is. So we have to, it comes back to what I said before. The biggest enemy that you face is the reflection in the mirror. And ego is one part of that. Greed is one part of that. Jealousy is one part of that. All all true. And you learn to overcome this as I am living, breathing proof now. I'm aware in real time and able to pat myself on the back most often when I'm in a scenario, in a situation where my ego is not triggered, but I'm also aware enough to say, not too long ago, (laughs) I'd be triggered beyond belief. And look at this. I'm calm, I'm collected, I'm happy, I'm excited, I'm moving forward. Wow, I, I'm liking this. I am enough. I am enough. I still do that. I, there are times where I will get triggered. And when I walk out, I'm like, damn, that happened again. Yes. <sighs> I yes. got to work on that one still. See, right there, it happens to all of us, right? This is never about being 100% perfect as you define it 100% of the time, right? You find yourself in a situation where you react a certain way, you respond a certain way, you do something specific, but like Rocky just said, same exact thing. You're able to, in a relatively short amount of time, look back on it and say, oh my God, look what I just did. I don't like that. I shouldn't have done that. What did I do differently? Let me change and let me learn from it and go from there. And you can also ask for a do-over, right? So, I mean, just do it with the wife and the kids or even in in your business. If you get triggered and things don't go and you walk away and you went, huh, that wasn't what I wanted. Go back and say, hey, can I have a do-over? I don't like the way that that just went. Can, can we start over again and do it right this time? And yeah. that takes that. What does that require? Yeah. Letting go of your ego. It's so true. Uh, before we part ways here, uh, Cardwell Thaxton, a friend and fan of ours, said about Rocky loving this guy and his Richer Soul podcast, because as we mentioned at the top of the show, Rocky is also a spectacular host of two shows, 
Uh, he wrote Red Rich Dad Poor Dad, and he aligns with Rocky. Boom, he writes. So package this all up for us, Rocky. For the person listening, what is the core message here? What are we saying? What do they need to be left with? Hey, hi, Cardwell. Good to see you again. Um, what do they need to be left with? These I are think- all PodMax Global alum, <laughs> alumni, by the way. So good that all of our worlds are continuing to collide. I, I think, number one, you've got to define where you want to go and then be the kind of person that can go that direction, right? So have utter clarity on what you want and then become the person that can achieve that result. Genius. Brilliant. I ask all of my guests this final question. And intriguingly enough, I know you have the answer because you pointed it out mid-show. Rocky Lavani, how would you like to be remembered? For me, it's about being a dad to my kids. That's because, you know, at the end of the day, my wife and I will be dead. And more than likely, the only people that will remember us are my kids. And so for me, I do everything for my kids and making sure that, so there, we didn't get into this whole thing, but usually when you're immigrants, the first generation comes over and busts their butt, which, which propels the second generation, which then goes, I don't want you to struggle. And so they spoil the third generation who blows it all. (laughs) So my kids are that third generation. So we've been extremely intentional knowing that we have to hold them accountable and make them understand that they also have to do the work. So it's, it's about being a father. That's my biggest thing. I don't care about the rest of it. All of this will be gone. Nobody will remember. We don't remember anything from a hundred years ago, but at least they'll remember me. Fantastic. Finally, how can they keep the conversation with you going? So I have uh, two places. Um, there is the Profit Answer Man podcast, which goes to my business site, which is profitcomesfirst.com. And so that's the money side for the business people. For everyone else, and even for the business owner, is Richard Soul. So Richard Soul, there's a webpage, richersoul.com, and there is a podcast, Richard Soul, where we talk about these types of things with all of the experts in each of those areas. They bring their expertise. And so you, we go really deep on some of those conversations, really, really deep sometimes. You're speaking to the right guy. I couldn't be more of a fan. I appreciate you, Rocky. I appreciate everything you're about. And I certainly appreciate everybody tuning in, whether it's to this live broadcast or you're catching the replay in the native podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume. If you liked it, tell a friend, leave a review. I love reading your kind words. As always, we're going to have another episode not too far behind. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending your time. Until we do it again, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.